This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, welcome to Trash Talk with TK on a day where the Phillies have a new manager. Phillies hiring Joe Girardi uh, to succeed Gabe Kapler and take over the reins as manager of this ball club. And it's a good hire. You know, there's no doubt about that, that this is a good move. This is a move that I think everybody can be happy about. I think everybody was hoping that Joe Girardi would be the guy. As far as, you know, the boxes, and people always talk about what boxes does a certain candidate check, Joe Girardi seemingly checks all the boxes. You know, he's a good mix of old school baseball guy, which... I think a lot of people, myself included, felt like this club was lacking last year at the helm. You know, somebody who can motivate, somebody who can who can light into guys at times, hold guys accountable, which I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that's why Gabe Kapler's not here anymore. You know, a lot of pe- a lot of things are made over Gabe Kapler strategically. I didn't really have a problem with him strategically, to be honest. Like I, I thought Gabe Kapler was working with a flawed roster last year, and I didn't have a problem with him in terms of the lineups, which people made a lot about and, and, and the pitching changes and that kind of stuff. I think Gabe Kapler actually, uh, you know, in regards to that stuff made noticeable strides in year two from year one, like, like in that phase of, of managing, I don't think Gabe Kapler was flawed. I don't think he, he did a poor job in that regard, but in terms of getting through to his players and motivating his players, I didn't see enough and you saw it, with a team that lacked energy. And when you hear in late August and early September when this team is falling out of the race and it's go time and Gabe's still saying, you know, we're going to go on a run. We're, we're good. We're going to go on a run. And, you know, being over complimentary, I think that was just not knowing, you know, what his team needed to hear and not knowing the things that that he needed to do to get his team going and to get them to go on a run. Sometimes you got to make people uncomfortable. Sometimes you need to you need to be the hard ass, if you will, and, and kind of get people going. And I think that was an aspect of Gabe that he didn't have and something that he couldn't adjust or adapt to. With Joe Girardi, you're getting a guy who'll do that. You know, Joe Girardi can be prickly. Joe Girardi's a guy who, you know, doesn't, you know, can make players uncomfortable at times. And sometimes it works against you. But other times, I, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. It's not bad to feel uncomfortable. I mean, think about in your line of work, whatever you do. Like, are you always doing your best when you're not under any pressure from your superiors? I know as far as, you know, my line of work and what I do when I'm under pressure is when sometimes when I feel like I do my best. You know, when you need to step up and you need to do something that that makes you uncomfortable or there's extra pressure. Yeah, some guys might be not be able to handle that. And that's where you got to, you know, know which guys to treat a certain way. But some guys might thrive under in that kind of environment. 
And I think Joe Girardi certainly is an upgrade from Gabe Kapler in that regard and knows how to get through to players and knows how to manage different styles players. I mean, managed in Florida, managed a long time at the Yankees, is a world champion, a guy who's had a lot of success. So in that regard, I think it is a good hire. Um, you know, and as far as the new school stuff too, where he differed from Buck Showalter, Dusty Baker, those kind of guys, his Joe Girardi's not anti-analytics and neither am I. I think the analytics stuff, it gets blown way out of proportion. Do I think the Phillies maybe need to examine how they apply the analytics and do that in a different way? Certainly that that's an area where they need to reevaluate what they do and what they've done and kind of maybe apply things a certain way. But Joe Girardi is receptive to that new school approach as well. And I think in Joe Girardi, you have a guy that at least in some sort of way can work with Matt Klintak. I mean, if you brought in Showalter or, or Dusty Baker, I think they just rough, run roughshod over Klintak. And, and in the end, Girardi will too. Don't get me wrong. Joe Girardi's not going to be taking his cues from Matt Klintak. Joe Girardi is taking his cues directly from John Middleton. But do I think that Girardi and Klintak can at least find some sort of compromises on decisions, on roster building? Yes, I do. And in that regard, I think it can work as well. But it's a good move. And it gives you some sort of encouragement after the fiasco of a press conference we witnessed, you know, almost two weeks ago. Um, but this is the problem. Whereas I like to hire... And I think it was the right move. And I think Joe Girardi, clearly the best man for the job. I still have major questions about the future of this franchise and this organization, as long as John Middleton's making the decision. You know, in the end, John Middleton is still the guy running the show. And that is a scary proposition, considering that John Middleton, you know, obviously seems like he has no clue what he's doing. And I was saying that before the press conference. I was saying that all last year is I thought there were signs that John Middleton just doesn't really know how to run an organization, how to run a baseball team. He obviously doesn't trust the guys that he employs or else Gabe Kapler would still be the manager here. And I had no problem firing Gabe Kapler, but if you're going to fire Gabe, you got to fire Klontak, you got to fire McPhail. Middleton didn't do that which tells you he doesn't know, you know, how what the dynamics need to be in an organization. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Everybody needs to uh, be moving in the same direction. That's obviously not the case. And, you know, I'm not for the all-powerful owner, you know, the Dan Snyder, Jerry Jones types. I just don't think it's conducive to systematic winning, to sustained winning. You need an owner who will run a franchise the way Jeffrey Lurie will. And I know the Eagles are having their problems right now. But in general, Jeffrey Lurie's a guy that hires people he trusts and allows them to do the jobs. And, you know, does he always make the right decisions? No. I mean, that's evident with Chip Kelly. And I know people are jumping all over Howie Rosen right now. And I, I don't think Howie Rosen's done a great job uh, for sure building this team. But I still think he's he's competent and will able to be able to, to fix things to the best of his ability. Um, but we digress. The bottom line is John Middleton does not trust the guys that he hires. And John Middleton, in the end, is always going to take control and always going to react and do the things that he feels that he needs to do. And in this case, I think getting Joe Girardi is, is a good move. But 
long term, that just ain't going to work. Bottom line, that is not going to work. And until John Middleton realizes that there are problems with the way he runs this organization and the way he runs this organization is is conducive to dysfunction as opposed to winning, nothing's going to change long term. Like, yeah, Joe Girardi at least can come in and set the foundation for, for you know, a guy running this baseball team for the next few years. But until John Middleton realizes that he's got to change as an owner, he's got to improve, he's got to change the way he does things, the organization's still going to be in bad shape long term. I can't shake that press conference. I just can't. You know, I came out of that, I went into it not feeling good about the Phillies. I came out of it with very little hope for this franchise long term. Very little hope. John Middleton, you know, just doesn't seem like a competent owner. It's pretty simple. And when you look at franchises that win all over sports, that's where it all starts. Doesn't start with the coach. Doesn't start with, you know, the quarterback or or whatever position you want to point to in any sport. Doesn't start with the front office. It always starts with the owner. You need competent ownership. And I think this was a good decision. It gives you some kind of hope. But long term, I still don't feel good about this franchise because I don't feel good about John Middleton and the way that he chooses to do business. As for last night, Sixers beat the Celtics in their opener at the Wells Fargo Center. Exciting night. Uh, I don't think I've ever been this excited going into a Sixers season. Uh, This is probably the first time in my lifetime I can remember really coming into a Sixers season thinking they have a chance to win a championship. I mean, some of those early 2000s years, maybe with Allen Iverson, uh, 2001, the year they made it to the finals. Obviously, they were an exciting team. We expected them to be good, but even then, you had the the specter of the Lakers looming over everything. And that that duo of Shaq and Kobe was the super team at the time, and they were expected to win it every year, and they did three-peat during that time period. But this is such a fun, this is going to be such a fun year in the NBA. It really is, because it's the first, it's the first time in maybe 20 years, like legitimately, that there is no clear-cut favorite. None. Like, the Heat didn't win it every year, but they were always the favorite. The Warriors were always the favorite. Um, the Lakers with with uh, with Kobe in the late 2000s were always the favorite. Them and the Celtics. Uh, the Kobe-Shaq uh, Lakers before that. Spurs always in the mix. You know, they were always front-running teams where he thought, okay, three, maybe five teams even have a sniff of winning the title. This year, I look at it, and I think maybe, you know, 10 teams, you could see, you could make a a legitimate case for them winning a championship. And the Sixers are certainly one of those teams. They showed it last night, and just an incredible performance from Ben Simmons. As as part of the Ben Simmons brigade in Philadelphia, it was a good night. Um, You know, still... Not really any jumpers. He took one in the fourth quarter, a fadeaway shot, which I like to see. But he was so effective getting to the rim last night that it wasn't really needed. You know, there were the, Boston was not doing a good job of shutting his lanes off to the basket. Uh, and he was very aggressive, looks very motivated after signing that contract. And that's the one thing about Ben Simmons that always pissed me off, that I don't understand what people see or, the, the, you know, this thing that's created about how Ben Simmons isn't a hard worker. Like people say that with no evidence to that whatsoever. 
There has been no evidence in Ben Simmons' career that he's not a hard worker. He improves every year. Yeah, the shooting still has a ways to go, but he gets better every year. He trains hard. He's in fantastic shape. Um, looks great at, at you know every game as far as health wise, and he's you know he doesn't miss many games. Stays healthy. Uh, can play as many minutes as he need him to. So this this thing that's created about Ben Simmons not being a hard worker, it's just ridiculous. It is. It's ridiculous. And he looked great last night. He's only going to get better. And uh, it was good to see. I, I thought Embiid looked good. Um, the I love these two new guys, Josh Richardson and Matisse Thibel. I mean, Matisse Thibel, I could watch this dude play defense for hours. He was hounding Kemba Walker last night. Between the two of them, they were the two guys in charge of guarding Kemba. And Kemba went, I think, 4 for 18 in that game. They forced an 8-second violation in an NBA game, which just does not happen. Those two guys as perimeter defenders are going to be demons. Josh Richardson on the offensive side. Josh Richardson, I'll tell you what. He is a much better player than a lot of us expected. You know, you look at Josh Richardson down in Miami. He was their number one option. He was their top scorer down there. He was the guy they relied on to get them buckets, you know, aside from Dwayne Wade at the end of games. And he's a very good player, but that's honestly probably too big of a role for him. But it's so great that he had that experience in that role because now Josh Richardson comes to Philadelphia and he's in the perfect situation where he's a fifth offensive option. If that guy is your fifth offensive option, you got a pretty damn good team. And it's going to take a while for the offense to flow. And it was sloppy last night, especially in the first half. Um, but defensively, you just saw how, you know, dominant this team can be. You can't score around the basket against them. Uh, I thought Horford looked good. He had a big dunk at the end. Uh, and struggled shooting the ball. Sixers of the team just struggled shooting the ball last night. Weren't really making anything from three. But, uh, man, with Horford and Embiid, the way you can interchange them and pretty much always have one of the two on the floor is just such a, a, a positive and such a benefit that most teams in the NBA don't have. Like, you have a starting caliber, you know, top 10 to 15 center on the floor at all times. At all times. Nobody else has that. Even, you know, Kyle O'Quinn has to check in late and comes off the bench and gives you quality minutes in the fourth quarter, makes a three after sitting all night. And the biggest thing to me, and this is where it's going to be huge for this team, is managing Joel Embiid and his minutes. And Joel Embiid checked out of that game last night. He picked up his fifth foul with 10.46 left. The Sixers did not even need to put him back in that basketball game last night. Like, that is... So big that you can beat a team and not a trash team. We're not talking about the Charlotte Hornets or the Washington Wizards. You know, we're talking about the Boston Celtics, who I think the Celtics are like, you know, the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference, um, maybe even third. And you were able to beat them basically not even playing Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter. And if you can, you know, in these kind of blowout games, people look at games played. Uh, but Joel Embiid will have hopefully a ton of games where he can play, you know, 20 to 25 minutes and you'll be winning by such a significant margin that you can just get him out and not, and rest him. And that would be so huge because last year, remember early in the year, Embiid's playing 35 to 40 minutes a night 
for the first couple months of the season. And it was just that was that really caught up to him at the end of the year. You need to be more judicious with how you're playing Joel Embiid and how you're using him, how you're managing his minutes. So I was really impressed. Great win for the Sixers last night. Um, as I said on my preview, my NBA preview pod last week, I have the Sixers winning the East, losing to the Clippers in the NBA Finals. By the way, Clippers looked really good against the Lakers on Tuesday night. Um, they play against the Warriors later tonight. Check a little bit of that one out. But uh, it was it, it was a good night down the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, great crowd. Love Josh Richardson taking a shot at those fraud Miami Heat fans uh, for showing up late. And uh, it was it was a good night for the Sixers. Good win, and they are one and zero. As for the Eagles this week, uh, I just want to touch on this game real quick against the Bills. Uh, we saw last Sunday night how ugly that was, and I was on after the game uh, on WIP that night. On the following night, if you heard my show, you know how disgusted I was with that performance. It was terrible. Um, you look at where the Eagles are right now; they are at a crossroads. They're three and four. They are a game back in the division. I honestly don't even care about that right now. I just want to see this team come out and play hard. And we'll see what the you know what this team is made of essentially. Like do they have any guts? Do they have any pride whatsoever? They didn't play like it last Sunday night. If they have any pride, they'll at least come out and play hard. I mean, I don't know about winning the game. I don't know if they will win the game. I don't know if they're good enough. I really don't. They haven't showed anything over the last 2 weeks really all season to illustrate their good enough to beat a good to beat good teams consistently. Like they beat Green Bay in Green Bay. But other than that, you beat the Jets without Sam Darnold and you beat the Washington Redskins. And in the Redskins game you fell down 17 nothing. They haven't played well this year in any way. So I don't think this is a good team. But you know, maybe this is me drawing off nostalgia. I, I don't know. But I think they're gonna play hard. I I can't think that after last Sunday night they're not going to be so embarrassed that they're going to come out and they're going to play hard on Sunday. And this Buffalo team is good. I think they're going to make the playoffs in the AFC. I think they're going to be a wild card team. Um, they got a very good defense. Sean McDermott is a very good defensive coach, and I know he's going to scheme things up and come after Carson Wentz and try to force the Eagles into some some bad mistakes. But I feel like the Eagles are going to play hard in this game. And I think it's a decent matchup. As far as you're beat up in the secondary, but this is an offense in Buffalo that has trouble going down the field. I mean, John Brown is a fast receiver, but Josh Allen has not been able to connect on a lot of these deep balls. And, you know, I think if the Eagles can limit the big plays, which they should be able to do against Buffalo, they'll give themselves a chance to win the game. Um, I think the offense, the offense is a concern right now for sure. Uh, they have not looked good. They have not generated consistent offense, but they're going to need to find a way to, 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 to move the ball. I think this is, you know, I'm, I am a, not a run the ball will guy. I just think running the ball in today's NFL is not how you win big in this league, but I do think this is a week. The Eagles will run it. I think it's a big Jordan Howard week um, to slow down this, this aggressive Buffalo front, you know, Use the screen game. Use Jordan Howard. Doug's got to find a way. Get the ball out quick. Get back to that RPO stuff. You know, some of those those quick reads where you can just get it out and get Carson Wentz in a rhythm. I think that's been a big part of the problem is just not getting him in a rhythm early in games. Uh, but I think the Eagles will be able to, to at least sustain some kind of offense. The defense should be able to limit the big plays. 
maybe I'm being a homer here, but I'm taking the Eagles this week. I'm taking them 24-17. I think they'll find a way to win this game. And if they do, this season, as bad as it seems, is not lost. I mean, you have this game, then you have a beatable Bears team at home next week before the bye, a good Bears defense, but you'd think the Eagles offense is struggling right now. Mitch Trubisky and the Bears offense is an absolute disaster. So, you know, uh, maybe an opportunity in the next two weeks, I think, for this defense to get right a little bit. You know, an opportunity for this defense to at least get a little healthier, hopefully stop the big plays. And if they they lose this week and they don't show up, season's over. Bottom line. Because if they don't show up this week, they have no guts. If they're not motivated now, they never will be. But I think they'll show up. I think they'll win the game 24-17. I'll take the Eagles. And, uh... That'll do it for the podcast. I'll be back in on WIP Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, then on my regular Sunday night and Monday night shift. Uh, before next Thursday, I'll be filling in first for John Marks on the afternoon show from 4 to 6 p.m. And then for Joe Giglio from 6 to 8 next Thursday. So uh, be in uh, a little earlier uh, that day. So be sure to tune in to, to be tuned into all my stuff in the coming week. Thank you guys all for listening. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.